Welcome to another episode of Setting the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Everyone's in much better health this week, and today we'll be discussing Season 9, Episode 19, which we are recording on 919, which is my birthday. And, and it's also the anniversary of the show. The, ni- the what is this now? The 29th. 29th. 29th anniversary of ER. Uh, this episode is titled Things Change. The episode aired on February 20th, 2003. Or not, not February 20th. Whoa! The episode, uh, my bad. The episode <laughs> aired on April 24th, two, uh, 2003. Lauren, what was going on that week 20 years ago? It's 23 uh, in the notes. It's 20, yeah, I, 2023 I it in the notes, too. Uh, we both happy, fucked up. I'm going to start off by saying happy birthday, Lizzie. We love you, Woo. I guess. Uh, with that being said, after two seasons with the Washington Wizards, Michael Jordan calls it a career playing his last ever NBA game with a, in a losing effort against the Philadelphia 76ers. Some ridiculous stats, Jordan ended his career with 32,292 points, averaging 30.1 a game, 6,672 rebounds, 5,633 assists, and six NBA championships. The funny part is it could have very easily been double-digit championships if Detroit wasn't Detroit. In and the yeah. late eighties, and if he didn't take that little break, uh, in yeah, the, the mid nineties, he could have could have possibly made it eight in a row, which is uh, insane. That's not that's I would say that's unheard of, but the uh, Celtics did do that back in the fifties uh, when they did, I believe. Well, no, they won eight in a row, and I think they won ten out of like twelve or something like that. Like it was insane, but there was also only like eight teams back then. Uh, this is the part of the last dance that they don't show you. <laughs> this is the part that they don't like to talk about in that documentary. His little return trip uh, to uh, Washington when he comes out of retirement. Uh, still very impressive when you think about it. Twenty years after the fact that he basically went away for three years after leaving the Bulls and decides, ah, fuck it, I'm bored. I'll come back, and proceeds to just like fuck around and still average over 20 points and still be pretty impressive. He could, he still was not able to carry that team full of fucking scrubs to any sort of relevance. <laughs> um, although I, I think it was the first of the two seasons he comes back for the wizards. Um, they were on a pace to make the playoffs and then he got hurt. His, uh, his, his knee kind of gave out cause he was fucking 40 years old. So like, yeah, his knee kind of gave out, and so they they faded down the stretch, and they ended up not making the playoffs. But still, a very impressive. He's he's still really really fucking good, and it uh, you could certainly make your arguments for LeBron being the greatest of all time. But Jordan still, it's for some for people of our age, it's really hard to. It's always gonna be Jordan. It's really hard to argue with Jordan. All right, can I come back from dissociating now? Great. Uh, U.S. troops take the Iraqi capital city of Baghdad after a six-day battle deposing Iraqi President Saddam Hussein in the process. The collapse of the Iraqi government sparked widespread looting throughout the city and country, with everything from grocery stores to museums to even hospitals being completely cleared out. Yep, we're the good guys. Yep. One hospital managed to stave off looting because they hired civilians, armed civilians, to protect it. So is this when they... 
this is when they start like tearing down statues and stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. Like, after Saddam Hussein is taken is taken out of power. Didn't we just talk about like either last episode or the one before we like we just started invading? Like we. Uh-huh. I yeah. see. I feel like it took way longer than that. Like I feel like nope. I'm, I'm so shocked that like sure maybe there was a. a couple of week break in between episodes or something but like still we're talking about less than a month on the calendar yeah that's insane it would it would it must have been like march or maybe late february early march when we start talking about it i think it was april 3rd i think was the last was it really so i think it's within the same calendar month we're talking about they started they started the invasion and now we've already taken baghdad i mean granted it's not really a fair matchup but still it's it's just it's one of those things that reminds me how different my perception of time or how different our perception of time gets the older we get. Like I'm sure three weeks as a, you know, 13 year old probably felt a lot longer than three weeks mm-hmm. as an adult. Yeah. Cause uh, it's all relative. Yeah. So like, I'm just in my mind, those two events are separated by like you know, six months, six months at least. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it was last episode we talked about Jesus the beginning. Fucking Christ. Crazy. Uh, new movies over the short break included Phone Booth, House of 1000 Corpses, A Man Apart, What a Girl Wants, Holes, and A Mighty Wind. Anger Management, the comedy starring Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson, is your number one movie this week. The only Good. thing I remember from that movie is Goose Fraba. Yep, that was just about to say. Because <laughs> uh, it's still, I don't know why it lives rent-free in my head that when I'm stressed, it's just Goose Fraba. Have you seen A Mighty Wind, Lauren? We No, Lizzie and I just talked about this earlier today. She's like, oh, I'm putting this in for you because, like, we've talked about it okay, as something yeah. I need to watch because I, I love Best in Show. But, no, I have not. Guy, listeners, don't kill me. I have not actually watched A Mighty Wind yet. Oh, I know I we've discussed I don't know how it. Much, but... I don't know how much crossover there would be with, if, I don't know, maybe. It's a similar style of comedy. Because yeah. it's the same. And it's folk music. Like, I feel like it's, yeah. it's tailor-made yes, for we, Lauren. we did absolutely talk about this. Yes, okay. Uh... Yeah, Lizzie, we need to we need to watch it. Um, All right. But then, Into Club by Fifty Cent is still your number one song. Daniel, what else was on? I uh, hope you like Friends and Will and Grace. Holy shit! Happy uh, birthday, at, Lizzie! Right at eight p.m. Friends, the one with the soap opera party. At eight thirty, a Friends rerun. At nine, Will and Grace with the episode Dolls and Dolls. And at nine thirty, a Will and Grace guest star clip show. Uh, really, just phoning it in. Is, well, I guess they already did their new episode. I guess it's uh, they're they're probably filling for uh, Good Morning Miami, which I'm assuming is circling the drain by this point. Uh, this week's episode had 20.8 million viewers tuning in, directed by Richard Thorpe, doing his 21st out of 31. Previous ones of his from this season include Tell Me Where It Hurts and Dead Again, and written by R. Scott Gemmel, doing his 17th out of 32. And previous ones of his from this season include A Boy Falling Out of the Sky, Tell Me Where It Hurts, and Chaos Theory. Uh, and I'm, yes, Lord. I'm trying to think now before we actually go into the episode. If episode, if um, I've noticed any gemalisms this episode, I don't think I did, but we'll see as we go through. Yeah, I like to think that he's having his own little like mini growth arc as we go yeah. throughout this uh, <laughs> this season. Like he's he's starting to mature a little bit, and I can honestly kind of track. Like if you look at the 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 episodes mm-hmm. that he's done this season, like he actually is kind of improving. Like I have to give him credit for that. Um, and apologies to everyone. I did not do a whose films are those episode because I was so or in this episode I was so busy actually watching. There were a couple times where Lizzie was like, "Lauren, are you even typing?" And we had to rewind to actually like 
remind <laughs> me to take notes. So there is no whose films are those this episode. Just FYI. R.I.P. and peace. Well, uh, if it makes you feel any better, uh, whoever's in charge of making episode titles uh, was also phoning it in this week uh, because we have an alternate title, quite possibly the most ridiculous, uh, laziest fucking turning the episode in, at, turning the assignment in at 11.59 before it's due alternate title. The alternate title for this episode is Get Ready For It episode 19 compelling I'm, I'm trying to even think how that would have been like a clever ism i don't think it, it is but... i don't think oh, no, okay. I, I think this is on on the same va- uh, like on the same wavelength as that episode from season one feb 595 where it's just the air mm-hmm. date like yeah. somebody just fucked up and like <laughs> you know at least with this one though they were able to to go like maybe we shouldn't be this on the nose maybe we should actually think of a title so things change is a little milk toast but it's better than episode 19 i mean there's a lot of changes episode so all right uh we start with a previously on by susan and we start with a lauren dumpster fire of a scene god uh, it's a homeless person picking up garbage and we see a young man clearly going through a psychotic episode having extremely vivid hallucinations that are very flashy and very disorienting, which, you know, is probably the point, because mm-hmm. I imagine trying to get his perspective. That awful... Uh, well, finish your thought first. On that. Yeah, it was, well, he's trying to get his medication from his genes, and he drops a bunch in the... Whatchamacallit, in the, in the... In the puddle in front of him, and then he reaches into the puddle, and he sees... And he tentacles. Tentacles and... are reaching up and grabbing him. It's a whole thing. The um the worst part of this, aside from the flashing, is I don't know how to explain this really well, but where it does kind of the, the choppy like like frame rates are skipping mm-hmm. from yeah. from left to right. Uh yeah. that in one eye is exactly what it feels like when I'm having a seizure. Is one of my oh. eyes sees smoothly and my right eye it skips like that. So that also was very triggering and not at all what I needed last night. Big yeah. fuck you episode. Thanks. <laughs> Cool. Uh, uh, before I get into my my larger point here, the the guy we're seeing here, who we will learn his name is James, uh, he is played by actor Johnny Sneed, who appears in stuff like Love and Mercy, Trumbo, and uh, Parks and Rec. Um, gotcha. This is, I feel like you know I'm I'm completely talking out of my ass here, but I feel like this has got to be, at least to date, the most highly like stylized sequence yep. we've ever seen in the in the yep. show. To Absolutely. This point. Like this was. Fucked up. Totally out of left field and totally like, and not just because of the fucked up imagery of, of you know, t- the hallucinations and the tentacles and stuff, but just like the way it's shot. Like, the t- to me, the way it's shot screamed like somebody went to a conference or something and like learned a new trick and couldn't wait to come home and use it. Like, that was the kind of like vibe I was getting of like somebody learned a new technique or a new trick editing wise and was just like, yeah, we got to do this in an episode. We got to work this in. Like, and it was just, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. And like, it just felt inorganic to the, the, the vibes and feel of what we, what we've come to know as we are. The effects here and later on very much uh, reminded me of how parts of saw are shot. Yeah. Very sawish. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, especially when we get into the medical one later, but it's just like, it was a lot. It was yeah. a lot to start off the episode. Just whew. Um, but with that being said, we go into the trauma room with Abby and Susan, and they're working on James. 
and they've got him stable. And I think it's Susan who says, well, he's back, whoever he is. And we'll deal with that later. And we are in with Twinkles. This is the worst fucking episode to ever have Twinkles. Right. But for Lizzie's birthday and Daniel uh, healing from what was likely COVID, we got some Twinkles this week. We are all recovering from what was likely COVID. That is, we'll get into that in the lounge. Uh, but then um, we go to Carter and Abby are talking about a packet he got from, you know, the equivalent of Doctors Without Borders. We learned Luca is still going to the Congo. Carter has not signed anything yet to go anywhere himself. Uh, they mentioned Carrie is apparently doing some shifts in the ER and wondering if that means Romano is out. And speak of the devil, here he is, bringing new med students to Carter. And uh, he's like, yeah, how long have you been with us? Four years? And Carter's like, nine. <laughs> just Ooh. like, see, takes you long enough. Not, just hearing that out loud was weird, though. Nine years. The nine, like, yeah. yeah. It's like, ooh, that's, there's a lot there. And it's like, wait, oh, yeah, we are in season nine, aren't we? Yeah, we are indeed. Uh, hurtling towards the finish line of season nine. Uh, and, uh, yes, this is another group of the... <laughs> The wonderfully uh, disposable med students, which I didn't realize in my first watch through of the show, I guess because I wasn't paying close enough attention. But now that we go through with such a fine tooth comb, I love what a trope this is in the show of just like how many medical students they cycle through. They are basically the the Star Trek red shirts of the ER universe where they just bring in these fucking, you know, lackeys who are usually here for one, maybe two appearances, and then gone forever. Uh, this group is definitely the former. Uh, none of these will be sticking around beyond the end of the episode. Most of them don't even get names. Like, they don't even get character names. Uh, and if they do, it's blink and you miss it. I did uh, pull out a couple of the actors uh, who went on to semi-relevant uh, you know, careers after this, uh, one being Suleika uh, Ebel, who appears in stuff like Law & Order, SVU, Gotham, and The Tick, and the other being Teresa Huang, who uh, appears in stuff like Criminal Minds, The Riches, and a recurring role on Grey's Anatomy, where she was uh, apparently one of the nurses. Hmm. Okay. Neat. Yeah, uh, look it up now. There you go. Then a man is brought in with chest pain. His name is Mr. Zito. And he is played by actor Earl Carroll, who appears in stuff like Crank, The Lincoln Lawyer, and The Wedding Singer. Uh, Air Rescue is bringing in an MBA. Uh, Abby says she'll get it with Susan. And Susan asks if it's Unit 27, because Chuck flies with them. And, oh, look, she kind of has a crush on her husband. What do you, what do you know? Uh, and then we go back to check on James, uh, who is now awake, asking for his medications. Uh, now that they have his name and prescription, they can at least figure out more of his you know, situation, what's been going on with him. Uh, Abby reassures, uh, as he starts to kind of freak out a little bit, Abby reassures him that they can't scan him here because they're underneath radiology and the walls and pipes are lined with lead. So that seems to calm him down. I actually really like uh, the way that Abby handles james here and i just i like that that's such a consistent character Mm -hmm. trait for her that she is you know uh i mean obviously she's got a lot of experience as a caregiver both as a nurse and just you know with her family stuff but like she's so comfortable in that environment she's so comfortable in that position it just comes naturally to her yeah yeah um jerry interrupts to tell abby that eric called Uh uh-oh uh, she goes to run out of the room to take it, but uh, finds out that he uh, hung up and he'll call back in an hour. And uh, 
<laughs> Jerry's like, I don't know. <laughs> she's like, he didn't say where he was. He didn't say what he wanted. And Jerry's like, I don't know. Didn't ask. And <laughs> she goes, are you the only person in this hospital that doesn't know about my crazy family? And technically, I think Jerry wasn't back yet when. Yeah. Uh, when no, he wasn't. I think so. When uh, Abby's crazy family started uh, popping up. So that's that's good canonical character work there, ER. You love to see it. Uh, Pratt's asks. Uh, Pratt's asking Abby for help on a patient. Uh, Andrew is complaining of a sore throat. Marley gives Pratt some more charts and tells him to get rid of Andrew. That's why they call it a sore throat, because it hurts. And if it's viral, why would you give him antibiotics? Oh, just call it a consolation prize. Yeah, Pratt calls him out for it. So again, more of the younger uh, doctors calling Romano out for not being up to speed on, like, actual emergency and internist Mm. um, medicine instead of just surgical and also just for for me because I'm paying attention to shit like this the uh overuse of uh, antibiotics uh yeah oh absolutely fucking mm. uh, I was having a whole conversation with a, a family family of a fam, family member of a family member if that makes sense recently yes. um and this person is a doctor and was talking about how like entirely possible that like within our lifetimes we're gonna hit the point where like antibiotic resistance has become so widespread that like we're just gonna have to go back to like stuff that we haven't used in like decades because i really try not i really try not to think about that we're just gonna be shoving like mercury up our butts yeah it was not great uh, but Andrew here is played by actor Christopher Goodman, who appears in stuff like Yellowstone, Shameless, uh, and is one of two not, uh, alumnus alumni of uh, alumni. alumni of uh, Sons of Anarchy. I'm sure like three people are going to go in and be no, it's actually alumnus. Who knows? Uh, but then Luca's friend from med school arrives, <laughs> Gordana, and Romano immediately tries to hit on her when Luca comes up and starts speaking to her in Croatian. Uh, basically saying, hey, leave him alone. He's a fucking snake. Um, and Romano's like, all right, I'll take my leave. Bye. And then she's talking about, you know, they're not doing the operation here from the boy that they talked about last episode. They're, she's doing it at Mercy. She says, oh, Mercy's a very modern hospital with good equipment, which made me laugh because that's where my neurologist used to be. And that would not be true in 2010 or <laughs> beyond from what I saw. Lizzie, would yeah. you agree? <laughs> It was, it's kind of, it was kind of a rundown hospital in my experience. Which um, doesn't speak well for the quality of county then. Yeah. Well, and it could have been much better, you know, 20 years ago, but by the time I had been going, at least for the parts of it that I had seen, everybody was very nice, but it had yeah. definitely seen better days by the time I was going there. Um, but Daniel, who plays Gordana? She is played by actress Nina Bell, who appears in stuff, uh, appeared in stuff like The Americans, uh, Zone of Separation, uh, and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot, Bel-Air, that everyone forgot uh, happened. Oh, uh, yeah, that did happen. The, the reboot that was for no one. Like, the gritty reboot. Right. Of... Oh, my God. Okay, as we're talking about reboots, I just have to say the, uh... The Frasier reboot is starting. It's not a reboot. It's a kind of continuation. Sequel, I guess, but continuation. That's starting up soon. The first trailer just came out, and I hate that I care. With that being said, the, later discussion. The Bel Air reboot, or the the, the whatever you call that, Bel Air yeah. reimagining. Like it, yeah. it felt like a joke from Community. Like it felt yes. like it really it, did. It felt like something that was like cooked up by fucking Troy and Abed. Like what if we Listen, did, what if we did Fresh Prince again, but made it gritty. 
listeners, if any of you liked it, please tell us, because obviously none of us have watched it. So we might just be talking out our asses, and we could very well be wrong. Uh, tell I mean, us we usually if we're talk wrong. out of our asses. So. But uh, this is also Gordana's first of two appearances. Uh, then a new trauma comes in. Uh, Gordana and Luca pop in to help Susan with the intake. And this is an MVA trauma brought in by Chuck, who handled the intubation. Uh, we go over to Carrie and Abby talking about a mother potentially having Manchosen by proxy. This is a weird, like, through line that gets mentioned a few times, but we never actually see this patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Romano shows up and gives them sass before going into the trauma room and asking for gloves. <laughs> to which Abby just very, very quickly quips, you want both? Which I appreciate. There's a, there's a couple of really good, like, low on the lowdown uh, Abby lines this episode, like the, yeah. the you want both is, is obviously the, the star of the show. But I also like earlier when, uh, or maybe I can't remember if it's, if it's, if we talked about it already or not, but like when, when she's talking to Carter about the, the doctors without borders thing. Yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah, well, you know, Luke is going or whatever. And she's like, yeah, he doesn't listen to me either. And like, it's just yep. <laughs> really good low down dry Abby humor. Yep. 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 All right, let's go to the MVA trauma. They can't get a pulse ox because of nail polish. Because of his, or is it yeah, his nail polish? So that nail polish, it keeps the um, infrared from going through the Yeah, nail but bag. I was just like, is his or her? Because yeah, I couldn't remember Sorry, the gender of the his. patient. So, okay. Uh, just wanted to make sure. And Romano, glabs, uh, Romano grabs, not glabs. What the hell's, I don't, I can't talk well. Happy birthday to me. Uh, Romano grabs Lizzie from the other room for this trauma because uh, the a woman in the other room is complaining that she's going to be charged for finding out she needed a fart. Yeah. She's got really, I should I should add notes in here. She's got really bad abdominal pain. They're looking her over. Lizzie says she wants to check in later. And Romano's like, no, just turf her. She's got gas. Proof proof that the R. Scott Gemmo growth arc is in full effect. This is him with his, like, intrusive thoughts telling him to write a storyline. And then the twist later in the episode is him maturing. And yeah. figuring out that, no, you don't have to write storylines that are inherently stupid and immature. Didn't we already have one where somebody just was gassy? Oh, yeah. Like, I, I want to say, say that was like an early, like, season yeah. one or two plot thread of, like, a, a just a big fart. Yeah. <laughs> Fat lady farted kind of uh, plot line. I swear, uh, I would bet money that there was. And you'd probably win that money. Uh, but there's some excellent banter between Lizzie and Romano as he pulls her into the trauma room. Lucas says the intubation li- likely screwed up the patient uh, because it was like done on a helicopter. Lung or something. Yeah, something like that. Uh, student de- Susan defends the paramedics, though, because obviously She's banging her, boy. her boy likely did the intubation. And she sa- and Lucas like, if you think you can do it all yourself, we can all step out. Yeah, they're all really snipey in this trauma, yeah. and I kind of love it. Especially Sass Susan. City in County today. Susan especially, very uh, very spicy in that trauma. Uh, but we go back to uh, Carter is examining the woman with abdominal pain, and he's got the, the gaggle of students kind of all, you know, surrounding around, prying and asking questions uh, right over top of the patients, and he just decides to clear them all out passes out charts for each one of them to go do in pairs and then come back and present to him. So he's like over. I, I sort of, I like this because it's both like him being like, get the fuck away from me. But it's also him showing a little bit of that Dr. Carter muscle when he is a, a fierce patient advocate that he can tell that it's mm-hmm. making the patient uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, this will benefit both of us. Like this will get 
this will make them leave me alone for a while and it will also make this patient feel more comfortable mm-hmm. so good see we can we can still you know give carter his flowers when when he needs to it's not all just fuck carter um just mostly just mostly uh carter then grabs uh pratt and gallant to give them their match letters Ooh. uh we find out that gallant got county just like he wanted and pratt got northwestern Ooh, gonna do the old very fancy gonna do the old like uh clooney u-turn where we make it seem like a character's leaving but in fact he's actually not Gotta love so it. here's 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 my thing lizzie and I'm curious how he thought about this. Pratt was like, oh, I'm going to the north side. But wouldn't, like, oh, you know, oh thinking, um, why can't I think the suburb that Northwestern is in right now? Evanston? Yeah, thinking like Evanston. But wouldn't he technically be working downtown where the where the uh, hospital is? So wouldn't uh, he really most not li- be? Yeah, most likely he would be working in River North. Well, River North. Technically, it's Streeterville is the neighborhood. So yeah, it's still on the right technically side of north. Avenue. But not, like, to the point where I'd be like, ooh, I'm going up north side. It's not like he's moving from Mercy to... I mean, Streeter technically Park. it's the north side because it's above the river. I'm aware of that, but it just... I'm, just, just... I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle you. I I'm just, just trying when to... I, when I heard it, it made me think, like, yeah. oh, he's going up to Evanston and not, like, oh, I'm just going a few blocks north. I mean, I don't know. There could be a hospital up in Evanston, the northwestern uses all i all i've ever heard is northwestern memorial which is smack in the middle of, of michigan of off just off michigan avenue yeah. near the lake all right enough of that i'm sorry i got us off track go ahead uh abby goes over to the desk asking frank if eric has called back uh so far no uh we see gordana is heading out and she asks abby to tell luca that she's leaving uh and she her and abby have kind of a nice but also kind of an awkward little chat here where she's like oh how do you know you know luca and we went to med school together we find out this is where we find out that luca used to be a practical joker uh which is a really hard thing to picture given uh some of his character traits although i uh that is one of the things i remember about the interview we did with uh carly way back in the day was that she talked about how much of a prankster and not not really prankster in the sense of like you know pulling tricks but just like how much of a like fuck around kind of guy <laughs> Gorn Vishnik was like if she, if it was her job to like cue something for a scene he would be like needling her you know to potentially fuck up so maybe that's a little bit of an inside joke there that uh, he's a practical joker uh, but uh, she says you could always tell that he was when he was in the building because we could hear him laughing and uh, she says that his wife would have wanted him to be happy. So, Aww. This is an interesting little insight into, you know, as if we needed more insight into the darkness of uh, Luca's backstory. But I, I honestly appreciate this take on it. Like, it, And I almost wish that there was a little more of it. You know, I almost wish mm-hmm. that, that we had gotten this a little sooner, um, mm-hmm. sooner in the season. We go back to check on James, who's still restless and struggling. We learn Sykes still hasn't come down, which is not great. Uh, we then go back to the desk where there's some excellent little banter between Susan and Frank. <laughs> and when Susan goes to leave, as she turns back and asks Frank, are you taking anything for your cholesterol? He says, no. She says, good. And then leaves. Like It's so good. A, a plus. The two of them. A plus just... Susan this episode. Uh, Abby goes to check on James, and he feels the pulses apparently and she goes to give him a little more haldol and he grabs her and she's just really good with him like in another life abby is absolutely the best psychiatrist at 
in the world, mm-hmm. I feel like. Just with how, how good she is was putting psych patients at ease. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also fun to watch her during later on when she, during her uh, med school psych rotation. That's super, that's one of my favorite little mini arcs mm-hmm. in the later seasons. Uh, but yeah, Eric is on line one though, and James wakes up from the big dose of Haldol and hallucinates her conversation, thinks she's working against him. Like, oh yeah, we have him. We should proceed with the surgical interrogation, which, good lord. Uh, he runs out of the room and is vividly hallucinating about medical torture as he runs through the yard. There's some really gruesome It's really stuff. fucked up. Yeah, like some stuff with like a surgeon and some intestines or something like that. And Super it's... bloody table with tools. Like, it's again, yeah. it's saw. Yeah. And she chases him outside and we see Doc Magoo's is closed and boarded up. But James is nowhere to be found. Mm. Yeah, again. R.I.P. Doc Magoo's. Very stylized, like very just like over the top imagery. Like it's like saw and like a, there's a little bit of like it's a little bit of I feel like it would feel less out of place in something like House. Mm-hmm. You know, like. I, yes. I, like I feel like that kind of imagery would feel more uh more at home in a show like that not to say that that show was you know particularly gruesome or anything but just like the they would do that sometimes with certain i don't know it just it just didn't sit right with me here it's not that it's bad it's just a bad fit for this show and this universe um yeah just not a fan so it's so weird because like this does remind me so much of saw but that didn't come out for another year like we're not even into the saw and hostile and all the other weird torture porn torture movies porn. that started coming out. We're not there yet. So close. Um, but yeah, you're right. This would be a little bit st- more stylistically acceptable in something like House because they do this weird shit way more yeah. with like the visualization and everything. But either way, uh, Pratt walks up to Chen and talks about going to Northwestern. And she's like, it's not all bad here. And he goes, you know what I mean? And. He's like, I just can't wait to get out of here. And she goes, well, I ended up coming back after leaving. It just gets to you. So she's like, "Mm, excellent callback. We stand character continuity. We sure do. Uh, But then Mrs. Reynolds, our abdominal patient from earlier, is spiking a fever with extreme gut pain now. And Romano comes in to check on her and she pukes all over his shoulder. Wonderful. Um, And of course, he has to take his lab coat off and everything and... I think it's Gallant who helps him take it off, and as he's taking it off, they have to take the bandage off his arm, too, and we see this huge, like, just absolutely disgusting open wound on his suture line that needs to be uh, cleaned out, according to Chen. He's like, it's fine. I got it. No problem. Like, he just totally brushes it off like it's nothing. Um, And then... As Carter's going through the med student's patients, he gets a telephone call, but he can't take it because there's another code that he needs to run and help with. This is the um, chest pain gentleman from earlier, and Jerry passes the phone to Carrie because it's like an important call that someone's insisting they take. And she goes to pull Carter out of the trauma because he needs to take the call. She says, it's your grandma. And he looks over and he just goes, is she dead? And... Carrie just goes, I'm sorry, and then we cut to commercial right there. Like, yeah. come back, and it's a very good, like, it's not often that I'll note where our commercial breaks are, but the way they did this one I thought was really nice. Yeah. 
Like, it definitely lets the weight hit and breathe for a minute before you come back. And um, he continues to work on this code with Malik while the students are watching and asking him a bunch of questions. Because he does this for, like, 20-plus minutes before he's going to go and deal with the reality of what he was just told. Um, and they they get the guy back and comes back with pupils fixed and dilated. Aye. That does not look good for anybody. No. It's a, uh, it, but then, it's a uh, like... I thought it was interesting or, or a little a little odd maybe that his immediate reaction is to jump to oh she's dead. Like because I mean I know I know Gamma hasn't been like in the best of health over the last like year plus that, I, that she's been around but like I don't I, I feel like it was an odd conclusion to jump to. The way I can think of it is the only reason he would get a call where they wouldn't leave a message to where they would insist Jerry give the phone to Carrie to give to him, like, and the way she walks up and says it, you know, it's, if, if it had just been, oh yeah, Jerry, they'll call back, then of course I wouldn't think like, oh, Gamma's dead, but the fact that they make someone take that call. Yeah. Just, but yeah, I I get what you mean though, it's like. Especially because Gamma, you're right, is often very sprightly, and we hadn't heard anything about her being ill. Mm-hmm. But then we see Luca talking to Gordana, and we learn that the little boy, or the boy that they were trying to get the surgery for, currently will not be let into the country due to some uh, bureaucracy issues. It's a whole thing. I didn't get the exact reasoning on what was going on there. But then uh, Carrie goes ahead and scolds Abby for losing James. She's like, well, is he dangerous? And Abby's like, I don't know, but he ran out. I can't do anything about it. So I'm glad they didn't try to pull another um, all in the family with that. Yeah, which that that was in the back of my mind, too, especially when that initial like attack thing happens. I was like, Mm hmm overly stylized episode with a psych patient like and then he attacks like there was just like kind of echoes of that and i was honestly surprised that there wasn't more of a like gotcha moment with that where there wasn't you know especially when they start like kind of going back granted there's more to come on that it's not all it's not all resolved in this episode but like um when they're sort of arguing towards the end of the episode about like she's got to go after eric he wants her to stay you know with gamma like Dude, like, you better than anybody, like, should understand what I've gone through today. Like, I got attacked by a psych patient. Now my brother, who's bipolar, is, you know, in crisis. Like, I got to go fix this. Like, you should understand this. You've been there. Uh, Susan Shucker talking about the intubation and, you know, but just some just some light EMT versus Dr. Sass. And was it Chuck who initiates the... Oh, it's absolutely Chuck. The, the Chuck. little bit of, like, sultry, like, hey, it. we should make just, out. No, and, just Chuck, and, Susan, and, Chuck, Susan, Charles, Charles. Susan. <laughs> They're fucking cute and adorable. They are. I love this so much. And you'd say what you want about what it does for her character, but I love oh, it. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. I think it's the ultimate, like, odd couple pairing that like sh- on paper you feel like it shouldn't work and yet it really does like it works way mm-hmm. better than it has any right to yeah donald logan and sherry shrinkfield have a surprising amount of chemistry yeah i love how he i love how he's like you were defending me she goes yeah i just know how they bag on the paramedics and he goes yeah well we shit on doctors all the time too what's your fucking point yeah. like but yeah she's like oh there's a dead body in here and like they start chuck goes like whatever and starts to and they're giggling and stuff and when luca and gordana 
uh, enter, and they're like, "Oh, we were just we were just talking. We were just." And afterwards, uh, Gordana says, "American doctors can be very unprofessional." <laughs> I love that line too. I love, I love that they talk almost exclusively in Croatian to each other too. Like, yeah. I, I honestly would have been okay if the entire episode was Luca and Gordana, and it was exclusively in Croatian. Like, that I would just, have been just, so here yeah. for that. Like, give me that. Just whole talking episode. shit. That would have been fun, right? That would have been such a cool like concept episode. Uh, what could have been? Uh, well, we then see Romano grabbing Gordana to go drain Mrs. Reynolds' abscess. That seems Blech. not kosher with uh, insurance and liabilities and things. But who who am Down I? Down in the ER too. Right? Not even up in an OR. She's, not only is she not not only is she not licensed to practice medicine in this uh, hospital, she's probably not fully licensed to practice medicine in this country uh, at this point. Uh, but. Uh, for now, we see Carter on the phone uh, getting Malik caught up on his stories. I really like, too, the little tiny character moment of uh, Malik just taking an extra pause and just being like, hey, man, you good? Like, that's, again, that's, like, nine years' worth of character development there of, like, these guys are not, like, bro bros. Like, they don't hang out all the time, and they're not right. ever portrayed as, like, best friends. But they but have they worked-, worked together for almost a decade. Right. They have been, like, in each other's orbit for almost a decade, and, and one of them sees the other one's having a bad time, and, like, just takes that extra second to just be like, hey, man, you good? It was just like, I... God damn it. It's shit like that that when the show goes the extra mile to just drop that little little tidbit in there for you, it really makes the difference. Uh, but, yeah. So, he, he's getting... Co- getting uh, Malik caught up on his charts to get them offloaded. He gets hung up on. He then immediately starts looking for Abby, and this is where my goodwill for him evaporates for the rest of the episode, uh, starting here. Uh, but uh, we then see him watching Mrs. Reynolds' procedure. Lets him. Uh, he goes in to let them know that he's going home, and Romano actually surprisingly says that it's fine. Romano's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, I really appreciated this moment with Romano. Like, Yeah. No, it's very it's good. It's such a he is such a 180 this episode from last episode. It's so weird. Again, it's kind of there's a little bit of an arc in there, but like again, it's it's it is rushed. Like it's it's over, you know, it's it's not given enough time to breathe. I want to I want to see yeah, him we... I want to see him be angry that he's been shunned to this job in the ER. I want to see him struggle at it. I want to see him be really fucking out of his element. I want to see him like slowly start to come around to the fact that he's going to lose his arm and then kind of embrace this new reality that he is taking, you know, a new opening a new chapter in his career and and utilizing his skills in a better way down in the er and like they're just i feel like it's a cop out that they they take him out at the beginning of next season like i feel like it's such a cop out that there was so much more meat left on that bone that you could have done something with and completely changed the tone of the character because you can't tell me that paul mccrane's not capable of of doing both that you that he's been doing the spicy we've seen it right that he's been doing the spicy jalapeno thing for you know five six seasons let's let him turn that a little bit like let's you know let's let him turn that on its ear a little bit make him a little bit less spicy and a little bit more empathetic and squeeze a little bit of growth roast 
roast the jalapeno, bring out a little bit of that sweetness. Yeah, like there's there was a lot <laughs> there was a lot more to be done with this character, and I hate that we're kind of watching them speed to the finish line here. Mm-hmm. We need to stop talking about jalapenos because I actually roasted some for lunches this week, and now I'm very hungry. Well, we we just had deep dish pizza. <laughs> I don't care. Dude. I'm but it's it's jalapenos, and I'm always hungry for roasted vegetables. We so. find out that Gamma was only 78 years old, which is one of those again, like we were talking about earlier, how the perception of time Time is different as a child versus an adult. As a mm-hmm. child, 78, it's like, ah, 78. She was, you know, old TM, you know? But, like, now it's like, well, it's like 78. That's not, you know. Well, it's like the same thing happens when you look at the age the Golden Girls were supposed to be. Right. Like, when that show aired, it's like, uh, they're supposed to be, like, in their late 50s or something mm-hmm. when that show aired. Yeah, so like way out of your. Uh, granted, a lot of it has to do with lifestyles and you know just fashion and like just the general way and cameras too, camera quality and stuff. But like everybody just seems older in the past, uh, particularly here with Gamma, who you know, despite looking great, you know she I, I would have easily pegged her for in her eighties at this point. Um, but uh, we then see Luca asking Carter if he knows anyone in the State Department who can help get the uh, boy into the country. Uh, Carter just kind of blows him off here because he's uh, he's in his feelings a little bit. They're like, bro, my my essentially my mother just died. Yeah, the closest thing I've had to a mother. Ah, <sighs> fun times for everyone. Uh, let's go to our first audio clip. They're kind of rapid fire here at the end. This is one of five. Uh, Carter asks Jerry if he can find Abby. Have you seen Abby? Nope. Can you find her for me? Sure. Hey, Dad, it's me. No, I didn't get a hold of Mom. Are you sure that you're going to make the 530 flight? Okay. Well, no, I'll just leave right from here to come to the airport to pick you up. Okay. No, I'm good. Yeah, I know. Bye. I've been looking for you. Yeah, I've been looking for you. God. A 26-year-old was tried in severe respiratory distress. I can't tube him. His epiglottis is the size of my fist. All right, nothing's open. Put him in three. Pre-op labs, blood cultures times two. Soft tissue, lateral of the neck. Three grams of unison. Hellsox is down to 85. He's barely moving any So he's got an A4 sore throat. Ramon told me to turf him. One, two, three. He needs a surgical airway. You ever do a Craig before? No. Nope. You're about to. Prep and drape the neck. Abby, can you open a milker kit? What comes next? The cricothyroid space. Do it. Can you leave right after this? Yeah, I'm ready to go right now. Angle the needle at 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. Good, because I really don't want to do this alone. Do what? Aspirate air. Good, you're in. I saw the arrangements. This everything that has to be taken care of. Dead wire next. Carter, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Where were you going? To get Eric. What? Needle out, 11 blade. Yeah, he called from a truck stop outside of Des Moines. Just enough to pass the introducer. Okay. When did this happen? This afternoon. Oh, and I need you to write me a script for Depakote and Zyprexa. Introducer. Ow. Okay, bag him. That's your coming up. Nice work, Pratt. What's wrong? My grandmother died today. Just didn't wake up from her nap. Carter, I'm so sorry. No one told me. Hey, I got it. Let's get out of here. 
Yeah, she called me like three days. She was on some new committee. She wanted me to hear somebody speak about a wetlands learning center. She knew I hated that stuff. I think she just wanted to see me. Well, you spent more time with her than anybody. She called again last night, and I saw her number on the caller ID, and I just, I didn't pick it up. Well, she lived a very full and happy life, and you're a big part of that. She wasn't sick, she wasn't in pain, she was in her own bed. It's not a bad way to go. And I'll be back tonight. The flight's only an hour. Do you have to go? I mean, my dad's flying in. I gotta do all the funeral arrangements. I just, I have to go get him. Why? I mean, Eric's been gone for weeks. What's one more day? He's off his meds, and if I don't go now, he might disappear again. I'll be back tonight. John. Go. Go find your brother. My grandmother will still be dead when you get back. I mean, he's he's wrong to say it. I'm not going to say that at all. But what I am going to say is I understand he just had a huge bomb dropped on him out of nowhere. Like, we tend to be our worst selves when shit like this happens. Like, yeah. yes, I agree, Daniel, with the facial expression you just made. It's absolutely <laughs> fucking ridiculous if you're just looking at it like we are from here. But in the moment, I'm sure I would say something just as awful to Lizzie. Like, if it had been, let's say, my dad had passed and she had to go pick up a family member for some crisis. Like, I get it. It's not excusable, but I get it. Yeah, and that is an important thing to keep in mind, I suppose, that, you know, there is an element of, like, shock and and suddenness that, like, has to be taken into account, you know, but, like... The, the beautiful part about this is that it's fiction and I can, just, I can have whatever fucking yeah. opinion I want Absolutely. about it, which, <laughs> which is basically like, fuck this guy. Like, it's a, and I think what I dislike about it the most, and this is not Carter's fault, the thing that I, the thing that right. I dislike about it the most is how often this, and by extension what will end up happening as a result of this, gets trotted out as a, yet another thing to fucking flog, mm-hmm. flog Abby with. You know, see, I don't so much think of it as this episode. I think of it as the next. Right. One yeah. It's, it, like it really I said, it's, it's this out, is yes. this is the thing that precipitates the other thing. And like, yeah. I just it's so it, in a vacuum. Like if you if you remove all of the like, you know, oh, he just found out and he's emotional and all this other shit. Like if you remove all of that, it, it, it's a lot. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you remove all of that, to me, it's like it's a fucking no brainer. Like it's. What I mean, I get it. Totally get it. It sucks that your grandmother died. I get what she meant to him. I get how important of a figure she was in his life and everything. But my dude, you said the quiet part out loud. She will still be dead when Abby gets back. Like, I... like th- her very alive, very much in crisis brother who has been missing for like months just resurfaced. And she has one opportunity to go like get a handle on him and maybe make sure that he's not, you know, I don't know, going to die tonight and maybe make it two dead relatives in one episode. Like she's got one shot at this and you are just choosing to be like a sanctimonious little shithead about it where you're just like, yeah, just go like, it's fine. She'll still be dead when you get back. Like, no, actually you accidentally made a point. Like you're right. She will still be dead when you get back. Like it's one night. She said, I'm going to go. This is a short flight. Like she's making all the accommodations here. She's like, my dude, I'm not discounting your, like, your. I'm not telling you come with I'm, me. And I'm not telling you that you 
don't deserve to feel sad right now. She's just like, but <laughs> my brother still has a pulse. <laughs> like I have to go handle that. I, I think part of it for me on why I kind of glossed over him being a little baby right there, for lack of a better term, is because I just had a big cry yesterday about how I don't have any voicemails from my dad or anything anymore Mm. and how I don't remember what his voice sounds like. So for him to be talking about these missed phone calls and stuff, I was just not like, let's trauma dump. I haven't done that in a while. (laughs) I was just not emotionally prepared for that piece of it. Mm. So my brain was so latched onto that um, pathos. That part of it. that, That emotional side of it that I totally glossed over him being petulant with Abby because I was so like <laughs> just like that's what hit me and I was like yeah the rest is fine yeah like and I I, so. I applaud both the writing and just the, the characters themselves like I, I applaud that they they don't try to minimize like they don't they don't try to make it a, a like a one-to-one comparison of like oh like isn't it sad that that Carter's grandmother died but also it's sad that you know Abby's brother is in crisis and everything like she doesn't she really doesn't minimize it at all like she's she's like oh my god that's so terrible like you know i understand how much she meant to you and i understand what a right. major and part I'll be of back. your life and, and then she tries to comfort him she's like you know well you know at least she was able to go on her own terms and like in her own bed and she's like that's more than a lot of people can you know like she's doing so much emotional labor here mm-hmm. and like but carter's going to carter but carter's going to carter and like it just made me think of this like meme that i saw the other day where it was like you know there'll be women that have like all of this like true emotional baggage and like true like trauma like just fucking shit that they've been through and meanwhile there's dudes they're like no i totally get it like my grandmother died and it was really sad and like i'm really dark and like i just like like how like dudes will take one minor inconvenience in their otherwise relatively charmed life and turn it into like an entire fucking issue that has to be like dealt with And meanwhile, women are, like, still going around, like, living their lives, having been through, like, ten people's worth of trauma. It's just, you know, it just, it, it, much like how Lauren's experience with this scene was contextual, mine was also contextual, where I had just been exposed to that meme when I saw the scene. And I was just like, this is just, like, the most, like, in his own feelings fucking horse shit, where it's just like... Oh yeah, she'll still be dead when you get back, you know. Uh, shut up, dude. Just shut up. Oh, we still got four more audio clips to go through, guys. Should we keep going? Sure. I could let Daniel go all night, but like, I gotta actually go in the office tomorrow, so I'm gonna get us on the move. Uh, then we go over to uh, Lizzie. Did you have anything else you wanted to add to that uh, mess of a I, tangent that we were on? If I say anything, it's gonna extend it by another five minutes, go, and we go. don't want That's, that. Nope, it's what we're here for. Go. I disagree with you entirely, Daniel. Go. Oh, so, Discourse. Go. <laughs> so wait. So I think I think you're you saying that his the maternal figure in Carter's life dying as is something trivial. I think that's a oh, gross no. uh, uh, yeah, under and, and that, characterization that is a, of what is going that is a, on That here. is a false equivalency of of the meme that I saw and what is actually happening in this episode. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to downplay Gamma's significance to Carter in his life. I was just saying that like dudes writ large will take like one like uh, routinely traumatic thing in their lives that happens to everyone. Like everyone's grandmother dies at some point. 
like they will take that and then try to equate it to like you know people who have been through actual trauma and like shit that like is truly true like their house burning down right like i'm trying not to use very charged language here but like people who have been r-worded like they will try to equivalent they will try to draw some sort of false equivalence between like oh yeah man i totally get it like i've had really sad shit happen to me like my grandmother died once like it's shit like that is what i was getting at but but gamma dying and her significance to carter in his life that no that's that there's obviously like a, a major like that's a vastly, different. vastly different situation. But I'm just saying, again, I always go back to the thing of like one of their problem. One of the two problems in these two people's lives right here is time sensitive. The other is not like the one is still very much alive and can still very much be helped tonight. The other one is dead and will still be dead in the morning. It also when someone dies, stuff like that can feel very time sensitive. No, absolutely. And like, and like, like Lauren said, too, so, so I am like, I'm not saying either one is right. is all fully right. Either one is fully wrong, but I completely understand where Carter, where Carter's head's at. I completely understand why he would say something like this. I completely understand why he's acting this way. It doesn't matter if something, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, Trauma is trauma. It's very traumatic to lose. One of the most stressful and traumatic things that can happen to you is losing a close loved one. Mm -hmm. And that shit stays with you. And if he's just fresh off that and hasn't had time to process his feelings. Or even see her. Then I can understand why he would act this way. Mm -hmm. And I think it's totally valid mental health response. I, I just it's, want... is, is he being a little bit of an asshole? No, yeah. and sure. That's, and that's, but... as we talked about at the very beginning, like, like <sighs> with all the the context and all of the like everything, like if you if you do put all of the the baggage onto it, then sure, it's a totally justifiable and, and reasonable way to react in that moment with all of that. What I'm saying is that I want to shit on Carter, so like it's it's fiction. I can <laughs> you know I can I like. <laughs> I know, but it just it that that made me a little when you it's, were uh, saying stuff like that, and even just talking about that meme. I'm just like, mm, I don't really like that meme it's, a lot. It's very I don't, close. I don't to think that's yeah. It hits it hits, it hits very close to home. I with some stuff going on right now. Lizzie, yeah. do you need a hug? Uh, no, I'm okay. Happy okay. birthday to me. <laughs> um, one thing I will say though, with this whole dis- discussion, not you guys, but our two fictional friends is this is one of those situations where it comes back down for me to the fact that she is not insisting he go with her. Both things can be true at once. She is completely in the right to go take care of her brother while he goes and deals with the immediate stuff he needs to deal with. That's the part where I'm like, yeah, no, that's fine. Both things can be true. But again, it's that very emotional, like Lizzie said, that impulsive, instantaneous, heavy, responsive, well, I got to take care of this right now, and, like, mm-hmm. just shit, this just happened. Like, yeah. there's, it's it's a fucking mess, no matter how you look at it. But like Daniel said, the thing that I frustrates me the most about it, not necessarily Carter's reaction in a vacuum. It's the then, quote, discourse that happens between this and the next episode that turns this into a as the folks call it, a thing. Right. Yeah. And that's, the, and that we, is the, I, the, think, the, I think we're getting our head of that, that is, But that, that is the most, that. the most annoying aspect of the whole thing for me is what it gets used and weaponized as, which is like just another example of how Abby wasn't good enough for Carter. Like, 
no, I'm sorry. There was con- there's context there that you're missing, and like, and again, there's there's not only context, but there's like, there's just facts. Like, there's if you remove emotion from the equation, like there are just facts there. There's a person that can be helped immediately, and there's a person that cannot. And she chose to help the person who could be helped immediately. And I just, you know, so that's the most annoying part is is the way that the fandom has, like, corrupted it into this thing that can be weaponized against this character that they've already decided they don't like. So, with all that being said, let's go to a complete tonal shift here with this next yeah. discussion. Guys, why is it always me? I don't know. Why, but why? Remo- I'll do well, it. Well, we, we got to go to our next saga. Oh, club. I got shit, I got, th- I right. got this. I got this. We're going to another another one. Uh, so, folks, if you've ever had the fantasy of shit-talking your boss in front of your boss, especially if that boss is a miserable prick like Romano can be sometimes, especially towards Pratt, then, oh man, do I have the audio clip for you here. Romano's stuck with the students for the rest of the night and passes them off on Pratt, who immediately does this. But what should I tell Dr. Corday? That she's welcome and that the least she can do is admit this patient to surgical ICU. Good God, it's the Stepford children. Where's your hand? Dr. Carter said you'd be shepherding us for the rest of the shift. Oh, isn't he generous with my life? Come on. Wean him down to 50% and check a gas and drop. Dr. Pratt, how would you like to present some cases of the future of medicine? No thanks. It's not a request. Okay, everyone, listen up. This is what happens when your chief forces you to clear beds at the cost of proper examination. Even a sore throat can result in a near mortality. Now, this particular patient came in complaining of odinophagia. It hurts to swallow. Check this guy's throat. See, posterior pharynx looks benign. But when pain is out of proportion to exam, one must then visualize the epiglottis, either with a lateral x-ray of the neck or by looking down the throat with a fiber optic scope or a right-angled mirror. Can't help it if the guy's a wimp. Epiglottitis is a pediatric illness, Junior. Maybe back in the day, but we tend to see it in adults now more and more. If one takes the time to look for it. I had to crack this guy. Well, good for you. Don't ever do this. Get out now. Let's go. Move. Move now! Move! What's the matter with you? Get out of here! Congratulations, smartass. You just bought yourself a month of midnights. Move! Good. I love the nightlife. I love Pratt, and also, I completely forgot to mention earlier, I think, I'm really excited. We hadn't seen a, a good crike in a while, so, mm. like, that was nice. That felt, like, a little bit like we were in the early seasons again with the drama. Um, but, no, I love this. And I love how he's, like, if you took the time to look, like, that's very much the doctor equivalent of per my last email. Yep. Right. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. It's a it's a perfect. Oh, I this is top five Pratt moments for me. Honestly, it's such a great growth just, moment. Mm-hmm. And so satisfying to watch. That's just like oh, get his ass, Pratt. Right. Oh my God, go it's for it. It's such an amazing it, example of the way you can grow a character like him without taking away the edge that makes him interesting. You know, like you you could have very easily you know made Pratt grow up as a doctor and kind of turned him into Gallant where he's just sort of like, you know, says yes, sir. And no, sir. And like just becomes more mature, but like they, they let him still have a little bit of that. They, they let him still have the cockiness and the brashness, but now mm-hmm. it's just being directed in the right way. Yep. I would have, I would have been very intrigued to see if this had been like 
gallant in this situation how that would have gone because he's already butted heads with uh romano about this kind of shit mm-hmm. so i would have been very intrigued to see if he got that vindication how it would have been handled yeah. it would have been much less smarmy i think but still, he's got some real good, like, side-eye. I think he could have sure got, up some real good He, he got too. his shot in last episode with the, uh, you know, true. used to be. Was. Or, yeah, was, yeah. Very Ooh. true. But now, now for the tonal shift. Uh, <coughs> Luca is working on cleaning up a patient's wound while Susan pops in to talk to him about what he saw earlier. And she's like, we were just talking. And he goes, no uh basically tells her she's a hypocrite and he's like oh you know it's okay for you to boff your husband in the er but like whatever and she goes we weren't boffing and he was like well and she goes and it wasn't a patient's mother and he goes well at least it was an empty room <laughs> so i love like a i just i hate the term boff it's so stupid it but really I, I love that they like bring that episode back yeah that they're like no we remember that this happened mm. like it's such a good little callback but um it's such a good little callback and i love how just snarky luca is about it at least it was an empty room like i wasn't about to fuck on a dead guy hey well on that lovely sentence uh let's go to our third audio clip here carrie's talking to carter about him needing to take time off with the loss and stuff Thank you. What are you still doing here? I'm uh, picking up my dad at the airport before I go home. Good. Do you remember any genetic disorders that cause a buildup of ethylene glycol? Not offhand, but if it's not Harrison's, it probably doesn't exist. And there are hundreds of rare ailments that fall under glycogen storage diseases, amino acid disorders, and metabolism. You could try a Medline search for substances that would give you a false positive for ethylene glycol. Might get lucky. You went uh, pretty long and hard on that guy earlier. Yeah, I figured it was the least I could do. He was dying. Maybe you need to take a couple days. I'm not on till Saturday. Good night. Good. Crash resuscitation means lines, tubes, fluids, ASAP. Like now, in a real case, you'd have a minute. Okay, make a three-centimeter incision in the fifth intercostal space, mid-axillary line. What are you doing? I am teaching. All right, all right harder, honey. You got to give it all you Stop. got. Stop. Aim for the epsilateral nipple at a 45-degree angle while you keep aspirating. Somebody broke his ribs doing CPR. Now, he needs chest tubes and volume for hypotension. They could have bagged his spleen, too. do an ultrasound. Look, you coded him for 35 minutes, Carter. He's brain dead. He'll probably arrest in the next four hours, and he's got no next to kin. We might as well get the maximum student benefit out of him. All right, you're in. Unhook and run in 500 cc. No, cc's. I said stop. I'm about to kill it. Hey, everybody get out. What the hell's this the matter a patient, with you? not a cadaver lab. Oh, you need to go home. you right now. And then the patient does indeed just die see this is this is but this is Carter. good uh direction of your emotional uh baggage like this mm-hmm. is this is uh i would i would hesitate to say it's healthy but like it's you know so fucked up right but it's at least uh you know it's at least defensible yeah yeah i appreciate that it's not a cadaver lab yeah someone's just... gotta have a little respect for the dead in this place mm. yeah there yeah, dr upton's gone so <laughs> we're not gonna have um, not gonna have her around no. anymore uh but uh we then see abby finding eric at a diner looking uh very unkempt since the last time we saw him and uh she <sighs> pays for his coffee seeing that he's uh actively paranoid and they uh get out of there 
uh, and I will once again register my support for uh, Tom Everett Scott as a fucking tremendous actor who should be a much big, bigger deal than he is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so glad this next scene is in audio form and not video form. Jesus. Uh, you want to talk about disgusting uh, prosthetic work. Ugh. Uh, Romano is debriding his arm himself when Lizzie walks in and gives him shit about it. Don't tell me your HMO doesn't cover somebody to do that for you. Well, you know what they say, you want something done right. Is that why you thought you could perform a surgical procedure in the ER? It worked, didn't it? She's on dopamine and still febrile. The good news is we haven't had to intubate yet. She could have died. I still haven't ruled that out. It was a good call, Robert. Unfortunately, the drainage was incomplete. There are loculations that you couldn't reach, which means I'll have to do an open laparotomy. It's a damn shame that you didn't catch it the first time. Subphrenic abscess is a surgical disease. They don't see it much down here. Robert, I would have caught it if you'd let me. She'd be cooling down on Zosin before surgery. Now she's more of a mess than if you'd done nothing. Did that hurt? Nah, but I wish it had. How long's it been like this? A few days. More than a few, I'd guess. I'm gonna pack the cavity with iodoform gauze. Is gun following this? Yeah, gun, plastics, ortho, hand, and ID. Hyperbarics want me to try them next. And what's after that? Witchcraft? Magnets? <laughs> try anything at this point. You know, at some point, maybe. At the point when the wound becomes life-threatening because of gangrene or sepsis, maybe in the patient's best interest to consider a definitive surgical cure. Romano. Uh, So so many ups and downs with him this episode. The eye contact they make, though, when he's like, say it. Just, mm. Also, God, you're right. That wound is so gross. That line read, too, of, uh, did that hurt? No, but I wish it had. No, but I wish it did. Like, that, it's, like, again, it takes a really, like, talented actor to pull that much emotion out of such a, like, ho-hum, matter-of-fact line. Like, he doesn't say it with any sort of great gravitas, but, like, it still manages to be, like, a punch to the gut of just, like, oh, Mm -hmm. damn. Like... And that, and that you can still glean so much sympathy for such an unsympathetic character. That's another. Yeah, like they make oh, yeah. us. The, they make us hate him last episode, and they're like, "But here, look at this." Right, like that's the other, that's the other really remarkable thing about him too is that like you you still, in spite of everything, you still find yourself going like, "Oh man, I am, mm, I am going to keep handling him with the most precious kid gloves for as long as I can because he is the most." just i don't i don't know i just i appreciate him he's just a little sack of shit but i love him <laughs> he's like he's like marge with the potato just i just think he's neat yeah it's like, like no it's like mjf he's our he's our scumbag he's our scumbag yes but just oh it's i just love the two of them together and i do appreciate the quip at the beginning just i think your hmo would cover someone else to do that for you <laughs> just i just love their friendship so much and i want more of it 
Because pretty soon it's going to go from Lizzie and the bald boy to Lizzie and no boy. Yeah. They're dropping fast. <sighs> but then, are, are we good feeling sad for Romano? Do we, do we have anything yeah. else? Okay. Uh, but then Gordana and Luca are at his apartment talking about Ante, the, um, the patient they're trying to get over from Croatia. And they're re- just reminiscing about med school and home and everything. And just they talk about, like, Luca and his roommates hitting a goat and trying to resuscitate it. And just, just shooting the shit about real dumb stuff like you do back in college. But it's just very nice to see Luca actually be giddy and smile. And it's like, oh, yeah. This man can laugh. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't seen that in a while. Like, oh, yeah, Luca can be happy. He doesn't always have to be brooding European man. Sometimes he can be silly European man. I do appreciate silly European man. A lot. All right, last audio clip here, folks. Uh, Abby calls Carter from the, from motel to let him know where her and Eric are. Hey, John, it's me. Um, I'm at a motel room at the airport because we missed our plane. I'm sorry. But I'm trying to get us on the first flight out tomorrow, and I'll try to call you later. Right. Better? Better. Thanks for the clothes. Thank Carter. For his. He also sent this. What is it? Depp coat. This is my life now, isn't it? It's up to you. We all thought you were dead, you know. Except for Mom, of course, you refused to believe it. She know you were coming? Couldn't get in touch with her. For all I know, she's missing, too. It's not funny. I know. It's a little funny. So what happens now? We go home. Well, what about me? I don't want to live like this. I can't keep doing this to you. You have to get into a program. Will you help me? Don't I always? Just right I, in the feels. The the part that absolutely killed me was when he goes to take the meds and he goes, is this my life? Mm, yep. yep. Boy, howdy. Kind of have a little bit of a feeling like that every day. Yep. With my psych meds. I have that about all of my medications. We get uh, a real deep cut in this uh, scene, though, that I appreciated quite a bit. Uh, the when he comes out of the bathroom, the shirt that Abby has given him to to wear after he cleans up is, uh, uh, which I can't remember if there's a line or not that says it's Carter's shirt, but yeah, there, there is. is, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's this like white baseball tee with red sleeves, and on the back of it, it says Scrubs, uh, which is the name of the e- the county ER softball team that we saw all the way back in season three. So that's a fucking six-year deep cut that we're getting in there. Mm. Like, shout out to that one. Didn't we see it again, too? Because I remember Luca hitting the yeah, baseball. Yeah, but, but they're not wearing uniforms in that one. They're all, they're all in ah, just okay. gotcha. plain clothes in that one. The uniforms only appear in the season three scene where uh, 
Jerry is pitching. Uh, Clooney's yeah. still on the show at that point. Susan's playing fucking third base despite uh, being a lefty. Like, just, yep. yeah. So, but I just thought that was a cool little deep cut there. Nice. Good catch. Um, but yeah, no, I love, I, I just, there, you could, you could give me a, a, an entire season long. Like it's, it's so, we've talked about this before, but like the, just the way that the, another thing that makes this show so great is the way they would just nail the familial casting, like of people's parents and siblings and like, and how they managed to hit two major home runs with Abby of, you know, Sally Field as her mother and then Tom Scott as her brother and both just like so perfectly matched and so perfectly intertwined. And like, there's just so much, I feel like we talked about this with Mark's parents and particularly his dad of just like believable history, like that you can, you can, you don't have to be shown all of the things that have happened between these two to believe everything that they're that you're you're seeing in front of you it's just i I just yeah can't say enough good things no they have excellent chemistry together yeah uh but we start to wrap things up here carter arriving at gamma's house uh housekeeper greets him with a big hug this is the first time we're seeing this particular housekeeper she's played by actress julie Ariola, who appeared in stuff like fire in the sky nypd blue and is the second of two sons of anarchy alums in this episode uh and she's making her first of four appearances so we're going to be seeing uh quite a bit more of her uh, at least at least three more times uh, and then this is where we find out that the funeral home hasn't arrived yet so gamma's still here so Carter goes in uh, to say his goodbyes, make his peace, and adjusts her blanket, sits by her side, and starts to starts to break down as we head off into the sunset, fade into black for the end of the episode. Uh, and if, as you might imagine, given her current state, uh, this is uh, this is it for Gamma Carter. Won't be seeing no more. Give me Force Ghost, Force Gamma. Ghost, yes. Horny Force Ghost, Mark Green and Gamma Carter nope. right next to each other. <laughs> Again, once again, I am appealing to the Adobe gods. Like somebody, give me that Photoshop. <laughs> Horny Force Ghost Mark Green, and uh, well, I think orig- I think originally it was uh, Force Ghost Doug Ross, uh, even though he's not dead. We <laughs> he was <laughs> when we had those. We've done several iterations. I can't remember. Of it. I think it was Malucci. We used to say he was possessed by the ghost of Doug Ross. Like yeah. so, I just want that collection of Force Ghosts, like the end of fucking Return of the Jedi. <laughs> like. <laughs> I think it would be great at the end of the series what we do like we get the season 15 picture or whatever and we get one of our listeners who's really good at Photoshop or at least tolerable at Photoshop to just put in force ghosts of all the people who've left in the background all the dead ones no not, not dead, dead just, just gone, gone. Just... not dead just gone all... bonus if we do the bobbed ones too that would need like a whole okay, second this page, is where, b- but... because I've completely abandoned it at this point so I feel comfortable talking about it there was definitely Early on, I want to say like in season two, three time frame, there was definitely a time where I was keeping a running graph go uh, a graphic going of every character that was Bob, and it was mm-hmm. it was in one of those like uh, gone but not forgotten kind of Halo things where it was like heavenly. <laughs> it was one of those pandemic projects that never really panned out, and I've I, like I said I've truly ab- abandoned uh. it at this point, and it would never be something that I would go back and finish. But it's the only it's that's still fucking probably funny. the only excuse I will ever have to talk about it. Just paste it in the bottom of one of the notes <laughs> documents that we put in. Just like, just leave it. <laughs> oh boy, 
it was a very solid episode. You know, I like like I said yeah. at the beginning with with R. Scott Gemmel, like this is a, a kind of a, a representative of a growth arc for him, but it's representative of a growth arc for a lot of people in this episode. Like we get to see Pratt mm-hmm. doing some growth. We, you know, get to see uh, Abby. I feel like gets some growth in this episode. Carter, to a certain extent, I can argue that it's not necessarily great growth, but like there's there's growth in there as well. Like so, it's just uh, a very Romano's coming to terms with things, you know. Like there's there's a lot to like in this episode, and very very yeah, little that I completely outwardly reject as like this is not good. Yeah. Get it out of here. I can't really think. I'd of abs- I'd absolutely give it an eight, maybe even eight point five. Like this was one where like again, like I said, I was taking notes, and all of a sudden I was like, oh fuck, we're not pulling this as an audio clip. I actually have to type. Like yeah. I was. I was distracted watching the, this one, which is the first time in a while that I've been like, oh, no, shit, I actually have to take notes on this. Yeah, and, and as we mentioned, like, the, the overly stylized stuff at the beginning and then a, again yeah. later on. That stuff, um, I think if you want to really nitpick, and again, like I said earlier in the episode, I don't necessarily think of it as bad. I just think it's poorly no. matched with this show. I don't think it fits the tone and and look and feel and vibes that the show has cultivated over the last nine years, and it just feels out of place. And that's, I think, my only real criticism of the episode. I think everything else works incredibly well. Lizzie, thoughts? I mean, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's a, it's a good but not great one. It's eight al- out of ten. It's almost like the three of us, after doing this for nine seasons, kind of know what each other's talking points are for what makes a good episode. I'm so proud yeah. of us. And we all kind of rotate who takes those talking points. Uh, but what do the listeners have to say about it, though, Lauren? I thought you'd never ask. Uh, Heather R. says, Abby and Carter's communication. Bang us over the head with it this episode. Abby thinks they're going to get her brother. Carter thinks they're going to deal with his deceased Gamma. What a pickle! And I get it. Carter is annoyed that Abby is leaving him during this tough time. But Abby's in a no-win situation, too. Had Eric not called, she obviously sticks to Carter's side that night. It's not like she's leaving for Vegas to go pick up a husband on a girls' weekend or something. She's going to get her brother after she thought he was dead. Emotional situation, feel for Carter, but I always hated the delivery of this line. My grandmother will still be dead when you get back. At username 11 says, Carter is so interesting to me in this one. His grief, and particularly the scene where he blasts Romano and the students for having a cadaver lab on a living patient, is completely understandable. However, his frustration with Abby on leaving is less about him feeling like he needs her in that moment, and more about him feeling that her staying is what a girlfriend is supposed to do. He doesn't even tell her Gamma died. He just assumes she knows with her special Carter mind-reading skills. And under normal circumstances, yes, she should stay with Carter, but these were obviously not normal circumstances. Carter canceling a trip with his friends, which Abby never asked him to do anyway, to be with her after Eric went missing, isn't analogous to this situation. That was a vacation, but Abby not going to Eric literally means he might die. To Carter, though, this further underscores how he feels like he chooses Abby and she doesn't choose him. Guys, I wish you could see Daniel's fucking face right now. (laughs) Let's not bury the lead here, though. Gamma was only 78. I always thought she was about 10 years older than that. Romano was another interesting case. They give him some of the best moments here, but he's still an unchecked asshole in others. I don't want him completely defanged, but look at the balancing act the show did with Weaver. With Romano, it's as if they either couldn't figure it out or were uninterested in trying. 
On to Pratt, who is, a, who is sneaky great. From how proud of himself he is about his first crike to how he throws Romano under the bus regarding sore throat man, I was doing the happy dance for him. The character has really turned the corner from his initial introduction, and frankly, and finally, the scene with Susan and Chuck in the room with the dead body cracked me up. It was the perfect blend of them being cute along with some dark humor, and I loved the bookend of Luca being the one to cockblock them. And last but certainly not least, Jen T says, yet another example of the missed opportunity that is Susan and Luca friendship. That scene at the end where he teases her about boffing Chuck in the exam room is gold. Can we stop saying boff, please? I love seeing Luca with Gordana and her speaking with Abby about what Luca used to be like. We see glimpses of that old Luca, especially once he reunites with Abby, but it's sadly few and far between. The story about the goat is cute and I love how relaxed they are. Carter, I feel for him. I do. But Abby can't read his mind, and I'm sorry. Her brother is her priority. What was she going to do for Carter other than hold his hand and endure his family's disapproval of her? Her brother, whom she practically raised, was getting in touch with her for the first time in months. She thought he was dead. Of course she was going to choose going after Eric. And Abby, girl, quit placating this tantrum. Own your choice. There's no reason to keep apologizing or keep reminding him you'll be back tonight. Carter and his ego aren't your problem right now. Overall, this was a decent episode, but not a favorite. Can't wait for the next one. I will forever laugh at the exchange about... I... I don't know what that says. I'm assuming it's the Doctors Without Borders equivalent. Yes, it is. Sorry, Jen. Uh... I'm not even going to try and say it, but Luca's still going to the Congo. I know, he doesn't listen to me either. A cute little reminder that Abby and Luca are still circling each other's orbit. Guys, I'm sorry I fucked up that last read, but that is it for listener responses. That's about going to wrap up our show today. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, the show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash Podcast because I can't talk. Uh, we're for the low price of only $5 a month. You can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, and over 70 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. It's hard to believe we're already coming up to season nine <laughs> so soon. Jesus. Knocking out that recap before Jake's wedding, baby. Hell yeah. Uh, Free form only bonus show called The Lounge. Movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And character retrospectives where we reflect on departed main cast members. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Sign the Tone Podcast on Instagram, and we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Also, be sure check, uh, also be sure to check out the official Sign the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is Y-O-U dot E-L. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on Instagram at Lobo92345. It's all me trying and failing to climb. Uh, I might start posting my climb stuff again. I probably I should. Do it. I've been I've been ignoring Instagram. Do it for far too long. Uh, so you can find me there. I am at randomgamer1. That's J M three R. I just like just like the old Twitters. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Good night. I love you guys. Have a good one. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>